This is Neil Erwitz. I'm the Director of External Relations here at the Center for a New American Security, and today we're talking drones. I've got here today Alexandra Sander from our Technology and National Security Program, and Dan Gettinger, who is uh, at the Center for the Study of the Drone at Bard College. Um, so, Alex, let me start with you. Um, I know CNAS is releasing this report on drone proliferation, uh, and most notably, it includes policy choices for the Trump administration. Uh, why do this report now? What, what started it? So a lot of the focus in the conversation about drones over the past 15 plus years has been focused on how the United States is using them in counterterrorism operations. But uh, more recently, we've seen other countries uh, developing their own indigenous production systems and also purchasing drones uh, on the international arms market. So really the genesis behind this report is looking at how drones are spreading, uh, what the different types of drones are that are proliferating most widely, and how that is impacting U.S. military options and strategy going forward. And uh, let me interject for a second then. So are the drones that competitors are developing, are those more offensive drones? Are those more... Uh, you know, used for surveillance. What, why, why are they developing them, and what are they used for? Uh, they really run that entire range. Uh, we're seeing more countries developing surveillance drones as opposed to armed systems, but as these indigenous production lines uh, become more mature, other countries are producing and selling armed systems, uh, most notably Israel has a very advanced uh, drone development program, and China is a newcomer in the international market as well. Uh, Dan, let me turn to you for a moment. Um, so you're also examining the issue of drone proliferation uh, up at, at BARD, at the Center for the Study of, of the Drone. I guess I have to get the plug in. Um, so what's the focus of your research up there? Yeah, so our research takes a couple different forms. Uh, we are working on a drone database with uh, CNES uh, for this project, and that catalogs uh, indigenous production of unmanned aircraft systems uh, around the world. Um, and the second part of our research uh, at the center um, is looking at mostly at uh, develop at use cases, um, and so where drones have been deployed, um, conflicts in which uh, drones have been used, and the ways that they're being used, um, and sort of looking at how we can what we can gather from those uh, use cases and uh, deployments. Let me open this to both of you then. So as you've both alluded to, there's really a gamut of of drones. Uh, remember. A couple of years ago, whatever it was, that Amazon was talking about using drones to deliver packages. I uh, <laughs> don't know what happened with that. But, you know, all the way up to the Predator and Reaper drones that you hear so much more about. Um, how does that breakdown play into proliferation? More importantly, which direction is this going to? Not, uh, not just from the U.S. perspective, but from some of our competitors. So right now, we're seeing the more sophisticated systems spread among major powers. Uh, they require lots of infrastructure and command and control type experience and networks to be able to operate them effectively and operate them beyond your national borders. Uh, when it comes to the 
commercial or slightly less sophisticated systems, that's where you're seeing more minor players and non-state actors trying to get into the game. Purchasing drones, uh, as you've seen, ISIS, the small quadcopters, and modifying them uh, with explosives in a sort of IED fashion um, to other powers who are just looking for a surveillance capability and something that might replace traditional aircraft on a cheaper price tag. Yeah, and um, I'll just add that uh, I think we can look at how um, we can see how several conflicts in the past uh, 10 years have really driven and fueled the proliferation of uh, unmanned aircraft systems. Uh, for example, uh, the NATO-led intervention in Afghanistan led many um, NATO countries, uh, NATO participants, to acquire their own drones. Um, and also in Syria and Iraq, we've seen a lot of uh, uh, players in that uh, conflict, whether they're state actors and not, or non-state actors, uh, deploy and use drones for the first time in many cases. Um, so in these conflicts, we've seen uh, a lot of experience uh, with deployments um, being um, uh, taken by these countries. Um, and so we can really see how the, these conflicts fuel the proliferation of these systems. Um, so Alex, you mentioned briefly that using um, ISIS using a bootleg drone to, you know, to be an IED, or I presume they're also using it to surveil where, uh, to surveil quote-unquote enemy positions. Sure. Um, what challenges other than the most obvious do you see coming, uh, coming down the pike? Uh, so one of the biggest challenges is going to be uh, getting used to assuming that we're operating in contested airspace. Even if you're looking at these smaller systems, they're changing our operating environment going forward. Uh, now, when it comes to policy, one of the biggest challenges is deciding whether or not we treat drones uh, like missiles or whether we treat them like aircraft. Uh, and the trend right now has been to apply the missile technology control regime uh, designed to limit the spread of uh, WMD delivery systems to drones. And uh, the biggest challenge with this is applying uh, the Category 1 specifications under the MTCR to drones. What and is what is the MTCR? Sure. Um, it was an arms trade agreement uh, signed in 1987, again designed to limit the proliferation of unmanned ballistic missile technology and delivery vehicles. So this was something uh, that was employed in the context of the Cold War. So we're taking this agreement that was signed in 1987 and now trying to apply it to technology that's still evolving and being developed today. Uh, so the seamless application of the MTCR to drones is going to be a challenge. And uh, one of the ways that we've seen this play out so far is Category 1 systems are uh, limited in terms of exports, in terms of strong presumption of denial, in terms of selling these systems to international partners. Uh, and those specs are systems that have the capability to deliver a 500 kilogram payload over a distance of 300 kilometers. So we've seen countries outside of the United States uh, develop their specifications of their systems so that they fall just under these MTCR regulations and they're not impeded in terms of exports. 
So let me ask then the $64,000 question, and I think you've, you've hinted at some of this, Alex, but um, the Trump administration has its hands very, very full. Secretary Mattis probably has 93 things on his to-do list. Um, give him some ready-made, applicable recommendations that he can just do tomorrow. Um, so one of the things that we've talked about is ultimately being transparent about what the United States policy is on the export and use of drones. Uh, as we started out the podcast, the United States has set the scene for drone use for the fast, past 15 plus years, and we can expect uh, states to emulate United States behavior. And the Trump administration needs to decide if that's something they're okay with or if that's something that we want to shape or change going forward. Uh, the other major move that the Trump administration can take is to take another look at our export controls, take another look at that strong presumption of denial in terms of exporting United States drones to U.S. partners abroad. Uh, with the rise of indigenous programs in countries like Israel and China, uh, they're starting to really corner the market on drones exports, and U.S. companies uh, will have to compete with these countries and also be constrained by U.S. export re regulations. And if, if competitors are going to get these this equipment anyway, we right. might as well be setting the rules of the road. Exactly. Yeah, I think um, that's that's one of the most important takeaways from the proliferation research that CNES has done and that uh, we're working on is that countries are already using and deploying uh, strike-capable UAVs from China, from Israel. Um, and what we want to look, look at going forward is that as this trend accelerates, what can we do uh, in the U.S. to um, uh, manage that proliferation? Well, terrific. Thank you both. And I'm sure we'll be discussing this more as drones aren't going anywhere. Thank you. Thank you.